Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Hey, good morning. Um, my name is Daryl. I'm the pastor at Arbor Bridge. Uh, thanks for making your time uh, coming out in the elements this morning to be with us today. Um, <clears throat> if you're a guest with us today, I would love for you to fill out one of the, the connect cards that's in, the, in the, one of the chairs in front of you. Um, you can place that in the white offering box that's out in the lobby on your way out. Um, I'd love for you to, to do that. If you'd prefer, um, there's also a QR code on the connect card that you can use to, uh, to you could scan that and fill in your, your information digitally if you're wanting to, if you're willing to do that. And then if you're joining us online, um, <clears throat> thank you for doing that. Uh, if you would go to the bottom of any page of our website, um, you could find a way to reach out to us um, and uh, get connected with our church family. Uh, we'd love for you to get connected on the app that we're using called Church Center. Um, if you go to uh, any of your, your app stores and search Church Center, then uh, you'll be kind of guided through how to connect with our church. So we'd love for you to do that. If you're a member of our church family, <clears throat> I'd, like to, I'd like to invite you to invest in her. Um, you can do that by going to arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give. Um, you can also invest... Through, uh, through the mail, send your investment that way uh, to 2500 South Main Street. And if you're here with us in person, again, that white box out in the lobby, um, you can put your investment in there that way. So our, our, uh, our church family, I like to say that we are about bridging the gospel in our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Um, that, that that's kind of our DNA or that's what I want us to be about. That's why I want us to focus our energy towards connecting people to Jesus and each other um, to make our lives uh, about that, to make our church about that. So um, <clears throat> I, w- I, want, I want all of us to be connected. Uh, in my mind, in my heart, there's a dream for us to be this kind of sacred community together where you know, we know each other and we, are, we serve each other and we, we invest in each other in a way that is... Um, meaningful. So our church family, one of the ways our church family has been connecting recently is uh, by reading the book of Luke together. Um, last week was week seven of our, of our reading. That's where we're going through this together. <clears throat> we read uh, chapters 18 and 19. Uh, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, next week will be, uh, will be week, eight, week eight, and we'll be going through chapters uh, 20 and 22. Attached to that week, um, there's, uh, there's a a video from the Bible Project. I'd love for you to watch that. Um, Bible Project, if you've never watched it, just they create some cr- really cool videos about um, how the Bible works or how we can understand Jesus. And so um, <clears throat> if you go to our website, arborbridgechurch.com forward slash Luke, you will find... Um, you will find our kind of our series or how we've been reading through this together. You can also find it in the app. When you download the app, there's a place that says Bible reading. Um, just, I'd love for you to see that video, and then I'd love for you to be reading along with us. Um, we're at the, the crucifixion of Jesus, obviously um, super important to our faith. Love for you to read that. And then after this series, after we're going through Luke, we're going to read through Acts together. Um, Acts is, is kind of like a, early, a history of the early church. Um, we want to read that, read that alongside you. So some of you guys know that um, originally or initially, um, Rex, uh, one of our elders, Rex, printed out some um, folders where you kind of had some, some space to journal and it kind of helped you guide, guide you along each week. Um, we're going to do that again for Acts. Um, and so you, w- when we do that, you can pick, pick one of those folders up if you'd rather read something, have a hard copy of it. Uh, we'd love for you to read along that way. Whatever way that you were willing to read along, we'd, we'd love to do that. And <clears throat> sometimes when I'm reading along with a church family or with a group of people, I, I feel frustrated with myself or I feel, you know, if I get behind, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I, I would encourage you, if you get behind or there's a week where you're really busy and you don't read along, just jump, jump right back in. Jump right back in with us. I, we it's, it's meaningful to read to be reading scripture with people who uh, other people who who love Jesus. So um, I wanted to tell you that after after the book of Acts, we'll, we'll end Acts around Easter. After the book of Acts is over, um, we're going to do a series on marriage. 
and then a series on what it means to be a church elder. So as we're moving into 2024, both uh, Rex and I thought it would be important before we added other elders to talk a little bit about what it means to be an elder and, and what, we, what, we, uh, what we think their role is here in Arbor Bridge. So I'm going to do a series on that, and I look forward to that conversation and talking with you more about that um, late spring. So... <clears throat> Uh, before, uh, if you're not on our email list, I wanted to bring this, this note up to you before um, we continue in our worship. I wanted us to pray together. Um, uh, our friend, uh, Carrie Kultwasser, one of our church members here, uh, had her brother uh, die suddenly this week. Um, he died when um, he was hit by a car. Uh, so she asked that, uh, that our church family pray, pray for them. Um, she, she's actually, uh, she's in New York telling, um, telling her, uh, her other brother and they're 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 all together. Um, she also prayed that uh, this would create opportunities to share the light of Christ with the rest of her family. Um, so if if we believe in the urgency of the kingdom of God, then we most certainly can pray along with her that this would be an opportunity to to share the light of Christ with her family. Uh, so I want to pray for that right now, and then uh, I have a couple quick things to say before I turn it over to my friend Beth. So let's let's pray. Uh, dear Father, we pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, in heaven, the light of Christ, the, it, 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 there's no need for a sun. The light of Christ makes everything bright. I pray for Carrie and Roy to be able to do that in her family and that we can join alongside them in whatever way that you call us to do. And we would be that, be that light for them in this super terrible dark time. Um, you, uh, you talk about in your word that even darkness is like light to you. Uh, we need that kind of light now. We pray, uh, we pray for peace and we pray for... Um, for strength for the for the next days and weeks and months and as they as they go they grieve this loss. I'm in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, please let that that prayer request be in your heart. Um, so today uh, we have Dr. Beth Bowers with us. Um, she's a professor at Rochester University. Um, that's my alma mater where I went to. Um, uh, she's also a church relations director uh, there. Uh, so on a few different occasions. Uh, in the last several months, maybe even uh, last year or so, uh, I've had the opportunity or the privilege participating in spiritual retreats um, at Rochester University, led by Beth. Um, and so she led us to kind of experiencing God in some different ways that were, were new to me or that I wasn't used to. Um, and so I, one of the things I think is really tragic about uh, specific churches or denominations for sure is that the, you get to used to experiencing God in a certain way and that becomes or that begins to be the only way that you experience God. You know, So you experience this, this niche or this part of who God is and there's this, you know, uh, clearly, God is huge, um, and we end up missing. Um, there's so much, so much, uh, so much of Him that we end up missing. So, you know, I think because of, you know we're limited because of our personalities and our history and our experience, um, and so we we kind of limit ourselves to the version or as part of God that you know that, that we're used to. But when Beth was leading this kind of worship, I hadn't experienced very much. Um, it, it, I felt like oh, I, I want to I want to share this with. The rest of my church family. So Beth is a, is a wife and a mom. Um, she's talented and smart and a great woman of God. So I invited her um, because uh, she takes communicating the greatness of Jesus Christ seriously. And so I appreciate that. So thank you for being here. I'm a, I'll turn it over to Beth. Um, if you uh, haven't got one of these yet, there's a little sheet on the uh, table out in the lobby. Um, if you're listening online, you'll, uh, you'll just have to listen along with us. But if you're here with us in person, um, one of these sheets, uh, you're going to need this to kind of uh, follow along with what, what Beth's going to do. So get up here. Uh, let me, I'm, I'm gonna, before, I, before I leave you, I'm going to pray. Uh, I'll pray for you, and then I'll turn it over to you. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for my friendship with Beth. Um, thank you for her family, allowing her to be, be away, to be with us today. And I just pray for what she shares, that it would, it would show the light of Christ like it has shown so much in, in Beth's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 
you all for inviting me to be here. Thank you, Daryl. Um, it's always a bright spot in my day when my phone pings and it's Daryl, or when I get an email message from Daryl, or when I get to see him. And so um, I am grateful that, uh, that he is here, that he uh, pastors you all. Um, and I am grateful for the continued relationship that we are able to cultivate um, sort of on behalf of Rochester University, but um, just personally. Daryl has always been someone, um, I've known him for a very long time, I think since I was maybe eight or nine years old. So, um, like he said, if you haven't picked up one of these, you will need it because this is very participatory. There's a lot of call and response. So, um, just a little bit about how I adapted this service. So I'm pulling from two sources here. One is the Iona Abbey community, which is a small um, abbey on the Isle of Iona in Scotland. And my husband and I were able to visit that abbey on a trip we took a couple of years ago. And this is a group of people, it's an ecumenical abbey, but um, it's very old. So there are Celtic crosses all around the aisle. Some of them are as old as uh, 1,600 years or so old. So this is a place actually where people have taken pilgrimages um, to have moments of quiet and stillness and solitude. Um, but as this abbey has kind of uh, evolved over the years, it's become a place of pilgrimage for all sorts of people. And the community there, um, one of their gifts to the world is that um, they have a publishing arm. And they write a lot of their own music. They write a lot of liturgy, which um, you'll, you'll experience here today. And their major focus, uh, sort of their orienting, um, posture is that of justice. So they, they pray for justice for the world. Um, and, and that is one of the gifts that they, uh, that they give. And so it was, it was a really beautiful and sacred opportunity for me to be able to be with them and worship with them in the abbey, which itself is very old. Um, and it was very cold and rainy. There's no heat in that building. Um, but it was a sacred it was a sacred time for me. Um, and then the second uh, piece of this that we'll experience together is the music. And most of this music comes from the Taizé community in France. And I haven't been there, but this is a community that has existed for a long time. And they write and curate music. Um, and one of the Really, the, the focus of Taizé worship is short, repetitive <clears throat> refrains. Usually, they're all from the Psalms or from Scripture. Um, but the way that you sing these songs is that you just simply repeat them over and over again. And it's a way of inviting our attention and our hearts into a more contemplative posture. right? So as soon as you start to sort of get the tune in your head, you're able to really just focus on those words that you're singing and they become prayerful. So it's a prayerful way of singing. And so that's what we are up to in this um, worship this morning. And you'll notice on your handout that it will tell you um, when you're invited to stand and when you're invited to sit. So I won't prompt you there. Um, you can just pay attention to what it says on your sheet and you can sit and stand as noted. So um, whenever it says leader, I will say those refrains. When it says all, that's when everybody else is invited to respond. And then obviously join in with the singing. It might take a couple of times through the songs for you to get used to um, the melody, but they're all pretty simple. And again, we'll repeat them several times uh, to get you used to the melody. Again, thank you for having me. Um, I feel grateful and blessed to be with you all this morning. And so will you stand with me as we begin this segment of our worship this morning? The world belongs to God. 
the earth and all its people. How good it is, how wonderful to live together in unity. Love and faith come together. Justice and peace join hands. If Christ's disciples keep silent, these stones would shout aloud, Open our lips, O God, and our mouths shall proclaim your praise. Wait for the Lord, whose day is near. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart. Wait for the Lord, whose day is near. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart. Wait for the Lord, whose day is near. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take Among us, God, give us life. Let your people rejoice in you. Give us again the joy of your help. With your spirit of freedom, sustain us. God, make our hearts pure. Restore us in body, mind, and spirit. Oh, God, will you restore us and grant us your salvation. Oh, God, will you restore us and grant us your salvation. Oh, God, will you restore us and grant us your salvation? Oh, God, will you restore us and grant us your salvation? stand. From Luke 19, 41 through 44. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God.
for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Oh God, will you restore us and grant us your salvation? Oh God, will you restore us and grant us your salvation? Oh God, will you restore us and grant us your salvation? Oh God, will you restore us and grant us your salvation? Trusting in God's forgiveness. Let us in silence confess our feelings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. O Lord, hear my prayer, O Lord, hear my prayer, when I call, answer me. O Lord, hear my prayer, O Lord, hear my prayer, come and listen to me. Before God, with the people of God, I confess to turning away from God in the ways I wound my life, the lives of others, and the life of the world. Amen. May the Creator forgive you, the Christ renew you, and the Spirit enable you to grow in love. Amen. We're going to sing, O Lord, hear my prayer one more time. O Lord, hear my prayer. O Lord, hear my prayer. When I call, answer me. O Lord, hear my prayer, O Lord, hear my prayer, come and listen to me. With the whole church, we affirm we are made in God's image, befriended by the Christ, empowered by the Spirit, with people everywhere. We affirm God's goodness at the heart of humanity, planted more deeply than all that is wrong. 
with all creation, we celebrate the miracle and the wonder of life, the unfolding purposes of God forever at work. Bless the Lord, my soul, and bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, who leads me into life. Bless the Lord, my soul, and bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, who leads me into life. Bless the Lord, my soul, and bless God's holy Christ, you are within each of us. It is our own inner being you have renewed. We are your temple, not made with human hands. We are your body. If every wall should crumble and every church building decay, we are your habitation. Nearer are you than breathing, closer than hands and feet. Our eyes are the eyes with which you, in the mystery, look out with compassion on the world. So we bless you for this place, for your directing of us, your redeeming of us, your presence among us. Take us outside, O Christ, outside holiness to where nations clash at the crossroads of the world. So shall our gathering continue to be justified, and your people find cause to bless your name. Amen. Wait for the Lord, whose day is near. Wait for the Lord, be strong to Thanks so much, Beth, for leading us through that. Um, 
I find uh, it powerful for me to be confessing things about Christ, about myself, along with you guys. Um, and maybe uh, to some extent it's easier for me to confess it if I'm confessing it along with you. don't have to confess by myself. Um, so thanks for participating. Um, the, for those of you uh, that's completely new to you, uh, I know new things can be hard, especially when you start talking about religious things. Religious things and new things are often hard. Um, but uh, thank you for participating. Thank you for being a part of it. Um, so... <clears throat> I wanted to read you this question. Um, Who can be saved from the punishment of sin? Who can be saved from the punishment of sin? The kind of person that asks that this question understands something about themselves or understands something about the danger of sin or the gravity of their own sin, uh, and and there's no chance of of making things work, or there's no chance of being good enough, or there's no chance of behaving well enough. Um, I've shared with many of you guys before that I can be self-righteous. One example, like if I have an idea about anything, uh, I'm quick to assume that my idea is the right idea. Uh, and even though, and even though I don't say it directly, um, I can have a bad attitude about your idea if it's different than my idea. Um, and I, <clears throat> unintentionally, I can give off the vibe of your idea is stupid. Um, I have this, uh, you know, disrespectful tone, or you know, that kind of thinking makes me think that I'm better than I am. Um, And it keeps me, it keeps me from asking questions like this. Keeps me from asking the best, the best kinds of questions, or certainly the question, who can be saved from the punishment of sin? Um, So let me ask you this. Uh, This is, you don't have to answer out loud. I just want you to think about this for a second. Does God love oppressors? Like, we love to say God loves the oppressed. But does God love oppressors listen to this to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else Jesus told this parable this story two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed God I thank you that I'm not like other people robbers evildoers adulterers or even this tax collector I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." Uh, So if you're a Jesus follower, you've been a Jesus follower for very long, one of the dangers of this story, we read this story, is that we were so familiar with Bible stereotypes um, that we easily miss just how radical what Jesus is saying here. Um, The idea that a tax collector would even dare to come to the temple, when Jesus starts this story and he says, two people were walking up to the temple, a Pharisee and a tax collector, they'd been like, ooh. Tax collector, he can't go. He no, he he knows better than to come to the temple. Why is he coming there? It would it would have been just a, it, they would have been put to shame and it would have been a place of ridicule for them. So they would have never come there. So it's hard to overstate how disgusting Jewish people would have thought tax collectors were. Uh, it, it's 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 just hard to overstate that he a tax collector would oppress. They helped oppress people constantly. Jewish people, some of you know this, Jewish people were taxed by the Roman government in every way possible. One, one Bible nerd says it this way. He says, there was a tax and duty upon imports and exports on all, the, all, and all that was bought and sold. Tax collectors would invent a tax and find a name for every kind of exaction um, on, such as on axles, on wheels, pack animals, pedestrians, roads, highways, on admissions to markets, on carriers, bridges, ships, on quays, on crossing rivers, on dams, on licenses, in short, on such a variety of objects that even the research of modern scholars has not been able to identify all the names. Taxed to death on everything. 
everything. This was nothing, nothing compared to the frustration of being constantly stopped on journeys, having to unload all your stuff, all your pack animals, every bale, every package, private letters opened. Tax collectors were ruthless and mean and greedy and disrespectful and incredibly invasive. Um, Just imagine going everywhere you went, being found by one of these people and asking for more money. It was assumed that they were the least spiritual people possible, least religious people possible. So in that culture, some of you know, in that culture, being religious was, was a big deal. Tax collectors were despised, but they were wealthy. And their wealth would get in the way of them seeing themselves for who they are. So Jesus wanted to get them to ask this question, this question, who can be saved from the punishment of sin? Who can be saved from the punishment of sin? And again, because, you know, we're all familiar with the story when the, when the Pharisee is introduced, we think, oh, he's the bad guy. Boo, we don't like him. Um, I don't want to be like him. But Jesus' original audience, when they heard this story, they wouldn't have heard it that way. Like when Jesus introduces the Pharisee, they, they thought the Pharisees were great. They thought that they, they, would, they admired them. They thought they were smart and disciplined and religious and certainly wealthy. Like we've talked before about how in Jesus' day, if a person was wealthy, it was assumed that it was because he was obeying God or he was obeying God really well, except unless you were a tax collector. That's dirty money. That's bad money. <laughs> wealthy people were, were the kinds of people that God accepted and God expressed his acceptance by giving them money and more money. Uh, so Pharisees oppressed people in all kinds of different ways um, that, that you know, they would, some of them wouldn't have even questioned the ways that they were oppressing them, but they were oppressing people. And they certainly would never ask the question, who can be saved from the punishment of sin? They, they would have assumed the way that you're saved from the punishment of sin is be more like me. <laughs> if you act like me, if you do what I do, then you'll, then you'll be saved from the punishment of sin. It's all over his prayer. Listen to this, you know, he says, he says, thank you that I'm not like even this tax collector. Uh, one of the things I think is really interesting that, that I forgot about when I was getting ready for this message, um, that Pharisees often prayed out loud. I think Jesus intends for us to, to when we're reading his story, that, to assume he's praying this, this prayer out loud. Thank you that I'm not like, uh, and him, and uh, and So painful, so terrible. What, I mean, certainly, what a terrible thing to think in your mind, but to say out loud is, 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 is past. You know, you're like, bro, you gotta. <laughs> certainly, you know. The Pharisee would have assumed that he was right, and the truth must be told. And, and you know. It's easy to distance ourselves from that, but we do stuff like this. You know, if you're nice, if you're a good person, if you're good at serving, or if you're good at your job, or if you give money away, or if you're attractive, or if you're a disciplined person, or if, if you've been successful, if you think that you're right, we are drawn to think more of ourselves than we should and less of others. And, and we, we are less likely to ask the kinds of questions that Jesus is desperate for us to ask. Um, could I be wrong? What if I'm wrong? Would you forgive me? Would you have mercy on me? Who can be saved from the punishment of sin? I want to come back to the Pharisee and the tax collector in just a second. Um, but let me share this. Let me share this. So in the, same, the very same chapter um, that we're, we're looking at today, Jesus, the Luke tells us another story, and it starts like this. He says, one day, one of the local officials, one of the local rich officials asked him, asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, I wonder if this was a heartbreaking question for Jesus to hear. Good teacher, what must I do to deserve eternal life? Because the question reveals he has absolutely no idea why Jesus is here. 
It reveals, like, he has no concept of desperation for Jesus. So the kind of person who asks this kind of question, um, just, it doesn't even understand eternal life. Like, eternal life is the existence with God at its center where he completes, he completes you with all the love and affirmation and acceptance and respect that you've been dying for, you've been arranging your life around for, even though you're responsible for the death of his son. He does all of that, even though you're responsible for the death of his son. So think, think, think of this. Think of this for a second. If I killed your son, if I intentionally killed your son, and then I ask you the question, hey, what must I do to deserve your forgiveness on this? Bro, that's the wrong question. You might be like, I will kill you. <laughs> ask me that question again. I'll punch you straight in the face. Don't ever talk to me. It's, wrong. it's an appalling question. This guy shows up in front of Jesus Christ and says, hey, what must I do to deserve eternal life? But despite that question, Jesus loves him desperately. Despite that appalling question, Jesus loves him desperately. He says, okay, I'll play your game. Um, You want to deserve eternal life? Keep the commandments. The man responds, he says this, I have. And Jesus knew he was going to say that, right? He was like, okay, good, I got you. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. He said, why don't you do this then? Sell all you have and give it to the poor, then you'll have treasure in heaven. Get rid of it. Get rid of it all. And the man's sad now because he's, of course, he's wealthy. Um, and not only, not only is he wealthy, he does what we do because we're, you know, we're, we're wealthy. We build some of our identity around money and stuff. And Jesus says, get rid of it. Get rid of that. And he, he, not only is he saying, get rid of your money, he's saying, move your identity to something different. And that is terrifying. He's sad. It's it's in the way of you asking better questions. And then Jesus looks at the man. He looks at him and he says this. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Imagine going to a person and asking them, what do I need to do to deserve eternal life? Having that answer and then them looking you in the face and saying, sorry, bro. In fact, it's so hard that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for you to get to eternal life. Wouldn't it have been devastating to... And there are people around. There are people, there are people around listening to him talk. The camel, camel is a large... If Jesus could have said a whale or an elephant, he would have said it. The camel is the largest animal in the area. So Jesus meant for them to feel the impossibility of the task of eternal life. He wanted to bring the people to the point of asking the right question. And the people who overheard him, the people who were surrounding him, they asked this question. They said, this is what they said. It said, those who heard this said, then who can be saved from the punishment of sin? The people surrounding Jesus, in this conversation, he's talking to the rich man, but they're overhearing it. All these people, they're not rich. They're not rich. So why do they respond this way to what Jesus said? What does Jesus, what does what, what he said have to do with them? So in context, if you think of them, if you think, whenever, whenever we're reading the Bible, try to be in their context, try to think like them. They all think that rich people are the best people. Rich people are the people that God loves most. So if they can't, if it's that hard for them to get to heaven, then what hope do the rest of us have? 
Jesus uses their assumptions, even though they're wrong. He uses their assumptions, even though they're wrong, to get them to sense the desperation of the situation, to get them to ask the question, who can be saved from the punishment of sin? If even the best people we know can't be saved, then who? Who can be saved from the punishment? Jesus responds, I'm so glad you asked that question. He says this, things that are impossible with people are possible with God. So, tax collector stands off to the side and he's praying. Would you have mercy on me? Would Would you have mercy on me? I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so jacked up. Would you have mercy on me? If you're willing, mercy flows, overflowing in ways you can't begin to imagine possible. It's, it's like when somebody does you dirty and then they're super graceful towards you. Only if you're willing to see how dark your sin is and how deep his love is. So um, in just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. And communion is a time during our worship service where Jesus puts the kingdom of God back in front of us. He, he says, okay, let's pause. Pause your running and your, pause your assumptions about who you think you are because of how good you've been. Pause them. And I want to put the kingdom in front of you again. I want you to see what I mean when I say, pray for my kingdom to come. Pray for it. Ask for it. So we're going to pause. We're going to drink some juice. We're going to eat a cracker. If you haven't got those, if you're here with us today in person, there are some out in the lobby. You can, uh, you can take them along with us. But um, I want to ask you to pause and to think about how we can keep the urgency of God's kingdom in the forefront of our minds and in our lives. Um, how, how, how we're going to do that. So in the story, the Pharisee and the tax collector today, I think it's compelling to think about how that both Characters have been oppressors of people. And we, we despise oppressors. We all despise oppressors. When we see it, when we hear about it, we talk about it like oppression in the world should cease. But I love, I love what Beth did today. I love, I love what she invited us to sing and to pray. See, the, the things that we were saying and that we were saying, we're the ones... <laughs> We've been oppressing people. We, I looked at the word oppress, oppression, and certainly there's some, there some extreme definitions of the word, but some of the simple definitions were treating people unjustly, trying to control them, hurting people to advance what you want. I think, I, I think I've done that. <laughs> if we are willing to admit that our sins oppress people, I think it gets, it gets us closer to seeing what our sin is like, what our sin does to people uh, and who we've been and how in real life, you can't. We're not going to be able to be good on our own. We can't make those changes on our own. If we're willing to admit that our sin is further than we'd like to say, further than we like to think about, it leads us to the question, who can be saved from the punishment of sin? If I've really been that kind of person, how could I ever be saved? Does Jesus love oppressors? Of course. Of course he does. Of course he does. Emphatically, yes. Jaw-dropping extravagance that you and I would think is inappropriate if we saw it in person. We'd be like, you, can't, you shouldn't be loving people like... I've often shared this Tim, Tim Keller quote with you. I love... It says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Super hard to hold these two ideas in place. During this time of communion, I think that it's right that we might develop that we've been oppressors of people, of someone.
develop that thought. Allow yourself to think of that. And if you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you're successful, or you're a winner, you're a hard worker, or you, you, and you just don't think you need any of this, just, I just want you to ask God, ask, pray, reveal just how sinful you've been. And if you're convinced of how worthless you are, that, that you, you just, you can't be, it can't be fixed, it can't be, that there's no hope, I want you to ask the Spirit to show you, to answer just, just how much Christ loves you. Ask him to show you just how much you're loved. To help keep those two ideas. And the answer to both these things is in the cross, right? It's in the cross. In the cross we see just how sinful we are and just how much we're loved. Ask the Spirit to reveal that to you in the cross as we, as we pray, as we think together during communion. Let's, let's pray together. Dear Father, You've been so extravagant with us. Uh, I, I, I honestly think that if we could see, if we could have physically in front of us how sinful we've been and how extravagant you are to us, it would make us uncomfortable. If we saw it in someone else, we'd say, that's inappropriate. That's not right to be that kind and that right and that over-the-top loving towards someone who's been so, so sinful. You are that good. You're that good and more. So far past what our minds can, can, can understand and describe to anyone with words. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us now in these moments. Reveal yourself to us as we meditate on two things. How we've been the oppressor. On just how sinful we've been. And just how extravagantly loved we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.